The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss Campbell fighting Dodo Birds and Leaky Black. The Eye on College Basketball podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And don't forget to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. While you're here, let's get into it. As you may or, or may not know, exactly zero ranked teams played on Thursday, exactly zero ranked teams going to play on Friday. It's a lame two-day stretch. Norlander probably wants to blame it on Nico Medved. I do. Wait, wait, things have been going lately. So what I want to do today is uh, start with a brief conversation about uh, the dribble handoff that we did at CBSSports.com earlier in the week. The question was simple. What team is the biggest surprise so far this season? Deadleg, you went with, I believe, BYU, Brigham Young University. Why? Uh, well, for those who may not know, the dribble handoff is something we do almost every week on your CBS Sports app and on the site. So it's it amounts to basically a roundtable. I do want to congratulate Kyle Boone, who uh, has not contributed the past couple of weeks because he is celebrating the birth of his second Lazy. child. Lazy. So, no, 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 Lazy. no. Shouts to KB and his uh, his beautiful family as he tends to uh, his 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 newborn. Um, and with his, his wife, I, I had I, I I had three children. Okay, ask me how much how much uh, paternity leave I took off. This isn't this isn't about you. I'm giving a shout out to everything's Kyle about Boone. me. Everything's about me. A shout out to Kyle Boone, who is on paternity leave. But anyway, he normally contributes as well. We only had a four person contribution. Not the same. Cameron, it's not the same. Uh, Cameron Salerno picked Oklahoma, still undefeated. Uh, David Cobb picked Clemson. I picked BYU. GP picked Colorado State. Uh, BYU, right now, as we speak this morning, number one at the net. Okay? It's also second at Torvik. It's top six in Ken Palm. Was six in the Massey Composite, which brings in all sorts of rankings across the board and refreshes every Sunday. Um, so, for a team that was picked 13th in the Big 12, and as I wrote recently at the Court Report, understandably picked 13th. Um, for it to now be undefeated uh, with, you know, a, a handful of notable wins against high major teams, the biggest of them being San Diego State, probably. Um, I, I think that's why it equates to the to the most surprising team. And when I spoke with Mark Pope, uh, we got into how this came to be, obviously. And the thing that was interesting about it was he said, you know, I, I intentionally kind of reset our clock a year and a half ago, two years ago because I didn't want to go into the Big 12 with it being such a beast, having a team that might have been a little bit older, but then in year two in the Big 12, I'd have to restart. And maybe that would mean year three with the transfer portal. So it's not like he hasn't used the portal. He has. But BYU is one of the least experienced teams in a multi-bid slash high-major conference a season ago. And it didn't make the NCAA tournament two years running because of it. Uh, and now you look at them and they've, you know, BYU almost always has veteran presence, but they have presence. They've played together, and BYU is actually set up to be really strong next year again. 
we'll deal with that a year from now, but they really only are expected to lose one major contributor if they don't lose anyone else to the portal. And so with where BYU is, and we are getting to a point where if BYU can win this weekend, I'll, I'll, it plays its first roadie of the season. It plays at Utah, 7 Eastern. Paris has no chance of watching the game. It's on the Pac-12 network, but it's the first road game for BYU. If it can win that, then its chances of getting, you know, you know, three, two, three, four seed are they increase exponentially, uh, provided that they can just be a top seven team in the Big 12, which seems reasonable at this point. Um, last thing for me on BYU, uh, I like their balance. You know, they've got five players averaging double digit scoring, and they have five players, uh, different guys leading their major major statistical categories. Jackson Robinson leads them in points. Noah Waterman leads them in rebounds. Spencer Johnson leads the Cougars in assists. Richie Saunders leads the team in steals and Atiki Ali Atiki leads the team in blocks. And yet BYU fans who are either love this podcast more than anyone else or might, might hate it more than anyone it's else. It's tough. It's tough to uh, tell. They know that arguably the most valuable piece is the six, six big uh, Fusini Traore who has, has been a key piece the past few years and continues to be that. So, um, they're really good defensively. I won't get too, you know, too in the weeds on on the styles and schemes they run, but just know that this team is seventh in defense and fifth in offensive efficiency at Torvik. Purdue is the only other team in the country top ten in both, and Gonzaga and Marquette are the only two other teams in the country that are top twenty in both of those metrics. So so far this season, BYU passes every conceivable test. It is not just one of the biggest surprises; it is for real and is on a fast track to getting back to the NCAA. I believe that this is unprecedented, that the idea that you could be picked 13th in your league in the preseason and in December be number one in the net. Now, obviously, we haven't had the net very long, but this is incredibly unique, and we've touched on it. I hadn't spent much time on it previously, but we've touched on it in the sense that both these things, because like they're not just number one in the net. They're strong everywhere. In every computer, BYU is really, really high, and like both things can't hold true. Like there's no scenario where you can finish this high in the computers and in the bottom half of the big 12, like you either got to settle into what we thought you were going to be or something close to it, or you were going to wildly exceed all expectations. What do you believe in? We look, we're talking about if I say, Hey, uh, dead leg on February 8th, we're going to circle back and we're going to talk about BYU. I have no idea what's going to happen between now and then. But on February 8th, just put it in your calendar. We're talking about BYU again, two months from now. What do you think we're mm -hmm. talking about? This has lived up to the early season computer projections? Or, yeah, the Big 12 coaches knew what they were talking about when they picked BYU 13th out of 14 teams in the league. How about, uh, I'll put these parameters on it. Uh, two months from now, is it more likely BYU is in the top 10 in most metrics or outside, just say, the top 40? Uh, yeah. Although it was first, because it was, because Palmore was high on him preseason. Palmore had him top 40. But let's say, so let's say outside the top 35. Uh, I would say inside the top 10 is more likely at this point. But I say that uh, acknowledging that the road game, the only road game of the non-conference play for BYU this season, the Holy War, on Saturday is a major one. And if you can get, if you, especially if you can notch that road one, it is BYU is projected to win, but I actually think it's going to be a really, really competitive game and one of the better ones of the weekend there. I would lean more that uh, top 10 status is more likely than falling outside the top 35. But the Big 12 is the best league in America. The Big 12 still has what, five, six unbeaten teams left. It's going to be a bear. BYU starts its league schedule, home Cincinnati at Baylor at UCF, home Iowa State, at Texas Tech, so three of the first five on the road. We could see some bumps there. Some of the really tough road games are um, on the back half of that two-month uh, stretch from now, GP, but I would lean the former. I could see – I don't think they're going to – I don't – the least likely option is that they actually become what the Big 12 coaches thought they would be, which is like one of the two worst teams in the Big 12. I don't see that. Um, yeah. I mean, like – They've been really playing at a high level, and all of the computer stuff is strong. I here's the thing: like slipping out of the top thirty-five is not like a disaster. It's no, it's out. definitely not. It's yeah. definitely not like they could be out of that and still easily get into the tournament. They're also been helped by the fact that the number one in three-point defense in the country, twenty-two point four percent, 
And some of that can be performance-based. Some of it can also be luck. So you could have some uh, reverting to the mean. And they're also fifth in free throw percentage, quote-unquote, defense, which you have very little control over. So they just happen to have played teams so far that are only making 61.5% of their free throws. That could well change and you know change to 66 67% by the time we get to February. So I just want to acknowledge the fact that um, statistically, BYU has also been beneficial to some things outside of its own control, and that has helped from a metric standpoint, it has helped the team climb. I don't think it's an indictment whatsoever on the team performance. I do think BYU is for real. Right now, um, TCU is top 35 at Ken Palm and ranked ninth in the Big 12. So you can finish top 35 at Ken Palm and still finish in the bottom half of the league. That's how strong the league is. But, I, I, yeah, I think they're for real. Are they really the best team in the country, like the Nets suggest, or a top 10 in the country, like other computers suggest? I don't know. But this looks like a team that it's not going to finish anywhere close to 13th in the Big 12. Looks like a team headed to the NCAA tournament. I'll be honest with you. So um, sitting here yesterday morning, Thursday morning, and I get a, a Slack direct message from you. Yeah, you were lazy. You you forgot to do it. I should maybe shut up about Kyle Boone, right? <laughs> yeah, at, least he, right. at least he has an excuse for not participating in the dribble I handoff. I think Kyle Boone could have submitted a dribble handoff submission in no time and beat you still. Yeah, but yeah. hey, maybe I should shut up. Yeah, right. Maybe I should shut up about Kyle Boone until I can get my dribble handoff entry in on time. So I get a direct message from Marcus, and he says, um, "Hey, just because you know he's the nicest person in the world." He's like, "Hey, whenever, hey, just whenever, just, hey, just whenever, whenever you get around to it, okay, whenever." And it's not even one of those things like I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't get to it." I just didn't even realize that I needed to do anything. Maybe I should pay closer attention. So. I, uh, I, I say, hey, listen, I'll get it to you. Give me, tw you got 20 minutes? I'll get it to you in 20 minutes. I'm sorry. So I go and I click on it because typically, and I think this is a seniority thing, I get first pick. Typically, I get first pick in the dribble handoff. <laughs> so I go to it and, I, and I'm like, uh, well, I don't get first pick now because everybody's just waiting around on me. Now I have to take last pick. So I go to it and I said, okay, I'll just, I'll just 200 words on BYU. This is going to be easy. Yeah. And then I click on it, and guess who took BYU? Uh, 48 hours prior, by the way. Guess who took BYU two years ago for this week's dribble handoff? It was death leg. So I thought about just deleting his, you know, because once you're in there, you have access to everything. I thought about just hitting delete on his or really just like, you know, tighten it up and then deleting Matt Norlander and putting Gary Parrish and calling it a day. I mean, I got tightened up. Otherwise, people would know it's there's no chance it's me. Mm-hmm. So I was going to tighten it up, put my name on it. I said, you know what? I'll just write about another team. I went with Colorado State. I know how much you hate Nico Medve. Can't stand him. I know you guys have had your own little personal thing for a while. Yeah, It's like in college basketball. Every time I talk to somebody, they're like, uh, so what's going on with Deadleg and Nico? And I say, I don't know. You know. They're working through it. You know, they're working through it. They used to be tight. Now they're working through it. And then it's like, okay, what's going on with Goodman and Jerry Stackhouse? And I said, I don't know. That, act, that actually people ask about. <laughs> I said, I don't know. It's none of my business. It's none of my business. <laughs> Colorado State is also one of the biggest surprises in the country, Deadleg, whether you will accept it or acknowledge it. They finished 15 and 18 last season, the Rams, my Rams, David Roddy's Rams. And they were uh, finished 110th at Ken Palm. They were picked fifth preseason Mountain West Conference poll. Got zero votes in the preseason Associated Press top 25 poll. Right now, they're number nine in the top 25 and one. 12th in the coaches poll, 13th in the AP poll. 9-0 start, highlighted by a 69-48 beatdown of the Creighton Blue Jays. That is currently in the top 10 at Ken Palm. Also beaten Colorado, also beaten Washington. So they got three wins over power conference schools, three wins over top 75 Ken Palm teams. Got another opportunity this weekend against St. Mary's. If you can take your personal issues with Nico and set them over here, do you believe in Colorado State right now, according to Ken Palm, projected to win the Mountain West Conference? And if they win it, it'll be Colorado State's first Mountain West Conference regular season title since trivia time. Since. Uh, regular season? Yep. Has Colorado State even ever won the Mountain West? The conference is like 23 years old. I can't, I'm going to say never. It'll be their first. They've never done it. <laughs> Look at me. Look at you. Look at you. For a man who that's despises Nico Medved, you sure do know a lot about the Rams. 
Yeah, you got a lot of a lot of hate speak about me and Nico. Wait till we get the team that you can't stand, Marquette. That's coming around the bend. Just as a reminder to the viewers. Uh, yeah, Colorado State. I believe in him. I have been championing Isaiah Stevens on this podcast for years, and he has a claim. We listened in the off season in the lead up. You're not that surprised because I told you Isaiah Stevens would have uh, capability to be a top five point guard in the sport this season. He might be the best right now. He is the guy that makes that team go, but um, it's an offensive first group. So Nick Clifford, Joel Scott, um, Josiah Strong, all really, really good players. Uh, Clifford is a good three point shooter. They've got, you know, a handful of guys here shooting better than 40%. It's actually similar to BYU, which has like four or five guys hitting more than 40%. Colorado State, another big surprise, is similar to that defensively. Uh, not there, uh, certainly. Uh, and it's not exactly. You know, a photo negative with San Diego State, which has built its reputation on defense and um, still continues to be the case. Although I think it's got, you know, it's got to shore up some stuff. Uh, San Diego State on the wrong end of a BYU game earlier this season. But CSU, 9-0 and to start the season, has jumped 50 spots uh, in, in metrics since the preseason. And uh, Nico Medved's doing a, a wonderful job. Uh, we will get to the game that they're playing later on in the show here. But a reasonable pick, and uh, you pivoted well after seeing that I had taken BYU because CSU definitely qualifies. Because going into the season, San Diego State was the favorite, and then broadly it would be an, it would have been San Diego State, New Mexico, and Nevada, which is still yet to lose the game. People were high in Nevada. Boise State was in there. CSU was you know somewhere four or five, and right now it is clearly um, to be it's clearly the best team in the in, in the conference right now. Uh, we'll see if its defense can improve. It's going to need to, to really uh, establish itself as a no doubt about it favorite. But offensively, no one in the league is on Colorado State's level right now. So it's been a largely a uh, slow couple of days in the sport of college basketball, at least on the court. But there was a good one a couple of nights ago, or at least a good one, like, you know, two teams with numbers beside their name, at least for now. Marquette blew out Texas. It was Shaka Smart against his former employer. We'll spend a few minutes on that next, but first, a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So Marquette hosted Texas a couple of nights ago inside Fiserv Forum. It was an opportunity for Shaka Smart to coach against his former team. He was at Texas as the head coach for six years. According to Tyler Kolick, Shaka had told his players heading into the game that this... Uh, Carried no special weight. It was just another game. Don't make anything of him coaching against the Longhorns that he used to coach. Tyler Kolick was asked about this after Marquette won the game by 21. They led it by 32. Mm -hmm. And he said that, uh, I don't know exactly how it was presented to him. But I imagine that he was asked, so what do you think it meant to your coach to, you know, beat Texas by 21? He used to coach there for six seasons, and Tyler Kolick said, Shaka told us that uh, Coach Smart, Coach Shaka, he told us that it's no big deal, just another game, doesn't carry any extra weight, and then he added, but I think it was, quote, bullshit. Norlander, yeah. do you identify bullshit here? It had to be. That's hey, Shaka, hey, first off, let me just ask you a series of questions. We'll try to get to the answer. I okay. like going through processes Let's sometimes go. To try to get to an answer. Really? Here's my answer. Here's my question. You're going to yeah. give the answers. Okay. Is Shaka a smart human? He's a human being. As okay, far good. as I know, I cannot I cannot present you evidence to the contrary. Wouldn't it be wild if he wasn't? It would be wild. Let's keep going. 
If we found out Shaka That's Smart wasn't human, that would be a wild development. If we okay. found out the head coach of Arquette was a cyborg, yes, I feel like that would break some <laughs> news. Let's go. That would be wild. Okay, Shaka Smart is human. We've established that. Shaka Smart was nudged out of Texas by Texas fans and the possibility of entering year seven on the hot seat. A door cracked open and Shaka Smart may have uh, hastily headed toward that direction in order to better position himself for his career. That's correct. If you were to poll every Texas fan who was inside the building for Shaka's last... Okay, no, that's not a good way to put it. Okay. If you were to poll every Texas fan who watched the Longhorns lose to Abilene Christian as a three seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament, meaning that we then had six years of Shaka Smart at Texas and zero victories inside the NCAA uh, tournament. If we were to pull those fans in that moment and said, hey, you can keep Shaka Smart or you can pray that he takes another job, maybe even one in the Big East, how would they have voted? I would say 78.6417% of Texas fans would have said we can chance it and go over and higher. Okay. Okay. So given that, according to you, Texas fans reached a point where they said, we would rather this guy not be our coach than continue to be our coach. We think we can do better than him. In fact, if he ever were to leave in the next day or so, we can probably just go get Chris Beard from Texas Tech. And my God, what a blessing from heaven we would have Chris Beard instead of Shaka Smart. All of that is, is true. And if all of that is true, how could you not love beating their brains in just a couple of nights ago? How could it not mean something more to you? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think I think they're on some level. It did have to mean something significant to to Shaka and uh, Tyler Kolick. Keep bringing it. I mean, keep bringing it at these press conferences. He's the Probably. best cusser in college basketball. Maybe the, maybe also the best passer. Yes. but definitely the best cusser. The, the best sir. You know, fill in, sir, cusser, passer, you name it, okay? Um, there's, a, there's a lot of herbs you can get to, buddy. I don't know if you want to sign this label. With S-S-E-R. The sir, yeah, yeah. That, well, those two specifically. The point is this, Shaka okay. Smart, who maintains good relationships with, with people at Texas, and I, be, and I believe that, you know, on a certain level, he, uh, he wasn't, you know, out for, you know, blood revenge with all of this. Um, nonetheless, editor, and you're at your new spot. You're thriving. You're looking good. And uh, as someone who covers the sport and a fan of college basketball, what a letdown this game was. I, it, Texas wasn't even competitive. And we'll get, I want to get to the Longhorns in a second before we get out of here. But for Shaka Smart and for Marquette, reinforcing your top five bona fides. Uh, I, as someone who picked Marquette to be the number two team in the preseason, uh, I was uh, joyful to see that uh, that they were reinforcing that opinion. But as someone who wanted to watch a, a competitive game, uh, Wednesday night's matchup in Milwaukee was, yeah, that was, oh boy. Um, but good on good on Marquette. And I, to the broader point you're making here, Parrish, I wrote a a big column on this after Marquette won the Big East Championship at Madison Square Garden, and and you know why Shaka did it, how it came about, and why it makes sense. And this really is a tremendous fit, and Marquette could have its coach for the next decade plus. I mean, it, it just it is working there. It has been working there since he got there, and there was not a you know a, a militia of doubters when it came to Shaka Smart coaching at Marquette, but I don't think anyone saw the success he had in year one when he got to the tournament. And then certainly nobody had that. My market was picked, what, like ninth. That was the whole, that was the, that was the origin story for Tyler Kolex legendary uh, encounters with the media and, and cussing on the record there. Um, they go from that to winning the big East, a regular season title and tournament titles. First time ever in program history, they had won a regular season and postseason title in the same season. And now he's just, you know, driving. Yes, of course the win over Texas had to mean something. Um, if you gave Shaka Smart true serum, I think he would say that. I actually think he would say it means more in the context of MU kind of repositioning its season ever so slightly and staying on that upper, upper tier than it is about personal validation over beating a former employer. But they they won and they, they made it a laugher, man. I mean, that game was not competitive six minutes in and they made sure they kept it that way. Is there such thing as truth serum? There is not. I, I, people always talking about it. I don't know if they're always talking about it. it. Just comes up here and there. No, people are always talking. They're about always it. talking about it. Yes, yes. I hear about it every day. 
Every t- every day I'm gonna every say, I'm gonna say that's not that's not actually the case. Every I, single day people are like, if you gave somebody truth serum, I'm like, where do you get there it? There's some sort of concoction. I feel like there is some sort of medical concoction that can uh, induce people to to I don't know, maybe be more uninhibited. But uh, you're asking the wrong guy. That's called vodka, dead leg. Okay, you're talking what you what you're talking about is vodka. <laughs> I was happy for Shaka. I um. I always try to think of it from my perspective. Like if I were him, how would I feel? And I know that's not an accurate way to look at everything because you're, you're um, projecting like it is, it's possible. In fact, it's entirely likely that Shaka smart doesn't feel the way I feel about certain things. But if I were Shaka smart, like you, this is somewhere in your head. Those people thought that they could do better than me. They were glad when I left, when they heard I was leaving for Marquette, they were happy. They didn't want me to be their coach anymore. And I know you don't celebrate all the stuff that has happened at Texas since Shaka left because some of the stuff that has happened at Texas since Shaka left is is ugly stuff. Nobody wants that. But I do think somewhere inside, if you're being honest with yourself, if you got that, if you snort a line of truth serum, oh gosh. is that the way you do it? No, I'm in. I don't know. Keep going. Had it. But I think if you did that, you would say, um, Yes, I, t- I find some joy in having these this this two hour this two hour section of my life where I got to the school whose fans were happy when I left. I'm blasting them right now. We're up thirty two. You got that's got to make you feel good on 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 some level. And how about this? I just love thinking about how random all of this is. If Abilene Christian doesn't beat Texas. Where is Marquette today? Uh, I still think. Are you, do you think he still takes? Let's I, say Shaka Smart yeah, in that I, year. I actually think it is possible if they beat Abilene Christian. Yeah, I think it's still possible he winds up at Marquette. Yeah. Okay, how about this? Texas I have the answer to, for you, but yeah, continue. Texas goes to the Elite Eight that year. Yeah, yeah. Shaka Smart still goes to Marquette? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Um, I don't think so, but I think Porter Moser's coaching Marquette if that happens. So just think about that. And uh, it, it, maybe they would be nearly this good. I don't know. Porter Moser, Porter Moser's right now. He's one of he's coaching one of the most surprising teams in the country. He's getting it going at Oklahoma this season. They've yet to they've yet to lose, so it's possible. But if you're looking for the sliding doors, my prediction would be that uh, Porter Moser, who had brought Loyola Chicago to the Sweet 16 that season, um, and thus was not available <laughs> to uh, to be interviewed for the Marquette job, Shaka Smart was available. I think that's how that would have gone. Um, would Texas be in a better spot right now? Shaka was still there. Who, who knows? Who cares? I guess. But um, but they are where they are, and uh, and Marquette right now is is you know as a program is positioned uh, to me. It seems in a stronger uh, at a stronger point than it has been in a while. Like even like the good years under Buzz, like it wasn't this. You know, you really probably the have good to years go under back. Buzz were really good. They really were really good. good, and you know he made. I'm I don't have it up, and I think he made six straight tournaments. But did Buzz Williams ever crack the top five when he was at Marquette? He did not. Um, Marquette is doing stuff right now. It has not done since um, the most important figure in the history of that program was was strolling the sidelines looking uh, just com- completely foppish. Uh, the great Al McGuire. Tom so, Green. No, McGuire. Al I'm McGuire. Not, I'm not going to let Let's you go. slander Tom Green on this podcast. Uh, even Tom Green would admit um, Al McGuire is the guy at that, at that school. I don't accept so. that. Well, you don't have to, but this is this is Marquette fans. This is why he hates your program. What do you want me to tell you? I'm just not going to accept that. Well, there you. You go. weren't there. You weren't there for. Uh, you you didn't ever sit at a table in a Marriott in downtown Memphis with a prop forty eight named Dwayne Wade for Conference USA Media Day. Nope, wasn't but, me. But guess who did? Yep. There you go. Tom Crane's the go-to Marquette, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's that's actually that's actually offensive to Marquette fans. Well, they're gonna have to deal with it. Go, go, go find him, people. Go find him. They're gonna have to deal with it. Hey, on the other side of Marquette was Texas, and they're now six and two. They don't have a their best win is a close win over a Louisville program that is. No, no, uh, no. it's a one point win. Close doesn't even define it. It's a one point win on a neutral floor. That's the best win. Tom Crane would. Tom Crane would never. All right. He might. I mean, in that last year at Georgia, maybe. But but you you get the point. You know what I'm saying. All right. Mm-hmm. Six and two. 
no good wins. In fact, some of their wins are bad wins. <laughs> How about that? Even some of their wins are like, come on, man. Yeah. Not only do they have no good wins, they've got some wins that like you'd rather them not even be there. I think I think more highly of you if you didn't even play that game. All right. And you won it. Uh, the two losses are to UConn and Marquette. Nothing shameful there, but they did come by an average of 15 and a half points. You concerned about Texas? Yeah, I mean, they lost to UConn by 10, and they got boat raced by Marquette. I know it was a road game, but still, it was a boat race. And how about this? Okay, so team performance-wise, I think Texas is getting there, and it's not alarming in terms of their roster and their personnel. Dylan Mitchell, I think, is improved. Max Aismas is doing mostly what's been asked of him. You know, he's one of the best scorers in the country, continues to be that. Caden Shedrick, the Virginia transfer, even he is looking pretty solid after uh, coming over from from the Wahoos there. Tyrese Hunter, um, from a shooting standpoint is not what he needs to be. And I think that is something, but yes, it is about the schedule. Um, 68th at Torvik. It's offense is ranked 130th as a Friday morning. Um, they've got a major resume issue. They've got a game against LSU on a neutral. Nothing else is notable. I mean, like they host UNC Greensboro, which did win at Arkansas. So there's, you know, equal parts like that's not a terrible mid major, but it is a home game. It's not gonna be a quad one result. Um, they can't mess around. It's it's. This is why November is so important for tournament resume building. They Texas is already in a position, even though it only quote unquote only has two losses. It doesn't have one of the better non-con slates in the entire sport, and because of that, uh, it just can't mess around in the Big Twelve. Like you do this, you don't have a lot of non-con heft. LSU doesn't project as an NCAA tournament team. Don't don't mess around and finish 500 in the big 12, or you're going to be a premier bubble team. Even if 500 in the big 12, the toughest league in America is plenty respectable. You haven't done enough in the non-con. And I highly advise Texas to not lose again before it gets to big 12 league play. Just something to keep an eye on for a preseason ranked team. Texas has no business being ranked now. Obviously it's, it's just, it doesn't have this, especially after the Marquette loss. Um, There's just not a case for it. And so uh, just, you know, something, something to monitor. I like the roster. I think, I think Texas will steady, but we might have a case here where the team, if it does make the tournament, uh, its seed, while might maybe being deserving, it will have a roster that would indicate it should be a better seed. I think that might be possible going down the road. I'm not concerned about their resume right now because they're a Big 12 school. And, you know, if you're good and you go into the Big 12 schedule, you're going to be able to build a resume, right? It's there for you. The, the schools that I worry about from a resume perspective are schools like FAU, Memphis, a Mountain West Conference school, an A-10 school, schools that look like they're good enough to be in the tournament and advance in the tournament. But if they don't build a resume in November, December, they might get into the league schedule and not be able to accomplish too much to submit something of quality to the selection committee. If you're in the Big 12, you don't have that problem. You can you can really be mediocre in November and December. And as long as you eventually become a good basketball team, you'll get the wins you need in in, in conference uh, to submit a resume that's going to get you on the right side of the bubble uh, for the NCAA tournament. My concern with Texas is, are they good? Like, are, are, if, if they're good, the, these first eight games won't really matter. If they're good, in fact, if they're good, these first eight games are nothing. It, it'll just be like, yeah, we lost to you kind of Marquette. And then, and then we started playing really well and everything's fine. Like that. It ain't like they've got a loss to Bryant on the schedule or a loss to not, McNeese state. They don't the have pluses right now. I actually think yeah, right. it is going to cost, cost. Like Texas is not matching last season in terms of Texas was a two seed. That's not happening. Like they'd have to, they'd have to not lose again, a non-con and finish top two in the big 12. And I just don't think that's on the table. Yeah, I don't either. But my point is, if they're good, nothing that's happened so far is a problem. If they're good, okay. I just don't know if they're good. There's nothing that's yeah. there's nothing that has happened in the first month of the season. And this is sort of what I wrote in Thursday morning's top twenty-five and one. There's nothing that's happened so far this season that suggests Texas is good. That's the concern. I'm not worried about the six and two record as much as I'm worried about what the six and two record might represent. Um, because. If you're not good and you go into that Big 12 schedule, you're gonna get you're gonna get eat up. And I, I like how about this? Top half, bottom half, Texas in the Big 12, finishing I'll, the standards. I, I still like the I still like the roster. I will say top half. It's a 14 team league. Texas finishes seventh or better. Okay. Maybe. That's maybe. Yeah. But there's not a lot that's happened in the it's first interesting month. How we are on we like are of similar feeling with this team, but right. our reasons are they're diametrically opposed with this. So right. Yeah. I'm just I'm just 
I'm I'm cons- I don't know if they're I don't know if they're good. How about this? I had them twelfth in the top twenty five and one, just based off of nothing. The, you just said it. They have nothing. <laughs> I know, but they had. This is the way it works. They had You're preseason expect. They had preseason expectations, so you put them where you put them, and then it's like, all right, they've won every game except for the game against UConn. So you just as long as they're behind UConn, you can justify it. And so they just sort of stay in a, in a good place in the rankings. And then they get blasted by Marquette. Again, lost by 21, trailed by 32. And you take a fresh look at it and you go, all right, even the wins aren't good. Even the bad wins are not good. Like they beat Louisville. That's not even, that doesn't mean anything, but they only beat Louisville by a point. That might mean something. The losses are both by double digits. It's time to get them out of here. There's no computer that says Texas is in the top 25 or 26. There's nothing in the resume that suggests they should be there. I dropped them from 12 all the way out because I just couldn't justify them being there. That's an abnormally large drop. But if you're taking a fresh look at the resume and the quality of the team and everything else you should be looking at through eight games, just not there. So we'll see where it goes from here. But, um, you know, it was a year ago, roughly, when they thought they had the coach who's going to retire there someday. and and they were operating at a pretty high level. A year later, they've got a different coach, and it uh, looks like a different a different basketball team. We'll see where it goes with uh, from here, but uh, the, the, the first month of the season hasn't been something that produces optimism among Texas fans, I would imagine. Are you ready to do the Final Four and One? I'm ready for a word from our partners. Oh, do it. You do it then. Uh, here we go. Go, you do it. Okay, we're from our partners. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's time for the final four and one presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Nada, turn that mic on. I don't want people to have to hear it from me. I'd rather them hear it from you. Do you have updated records? I don't even know what they are. Do you have updated records? You you sound like you've already seen the record, GP. Oh, I don't. I'm just I'm just asking blindly. I wonder who's leading the final four and one. That are you would capable be you. of telling us? That would be you by one game. At 10, 9, and 1. You are above 500 going into December. Above 500 heading into December. Yeah. Dead leg. Who's got a better strength of schedule right now, me or Texas? <laughs> You're going up against me, so the answer is you. Yeah. The answer is me. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I've been making every moment more. <laughs> okay. Actually... I don't know if you have. You're a little late on that dribble handoff submission. Um, I just got away from you. I didn't even I had, know it was there. I had a few news and notes, but we'll save it for the end. Let's get to the games here. Let's let's oh. keep. It's okay. It's it's okay. Um, I also listen. Credit to us. We found a way to stretch a podcast into 35 minutes before we got to the reason for even doing the podcast. So classic us. Why are uh, why are we doing this? <laughs> you ever think about that? That has got the music going. It's final four in one time. Parish. We got a pretty good weekend of Saturday hoop waiting for us. What are we starting with? Game one, Saturday noon Eastern. It's number 20, Illinois. Choo-choo. Oh, boy. At number 17, Tennessee, inside Dane Bradshaw Arena. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Kimpom has it, Tennessee. Minus five. This segment is presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. I've already said it. As a reminder, we do not have the FanDuel line for this, so we are going Ken Palm because it is Saturday. Um, Why Dane Bradshaw? I regret already asking this, but yeah, why why was he? Dane Bradshaw, he's a Tennessee ball. Okay. Well, I obviously, but I'm saying why him over many, you know. 
I've named the court after Wayne Chisholm. I'm just wondering why you named the arena after Dane Bradshaw. That's all. Okay. First off, I love Dane Bradshaw. I covered him when he was in high school. One of my first interactions with Dane Bradshaw, he was a freshman at White Station High, and he was like a starter on a state championship caliber team. And so he became kind of a big deal in uh, Memphis. And uh, I walked in, uh, and he was in high school, and he had a black eye. He had a black eye. I said, my God, Dane Bradshaw, what's going on with your, uh, what happened? He said, I got into a little, you know, a scuffle. I said, oh, okay. And I said, um, doesn't look like you did too well in your scuffle. He said, you should see the other guy. I, I feel said, like okay, we can say that all the time. Yeah. I said, okay, Dane Bradshaw. Okay. Undervalued as a prospect, went on to be a key player for Bruce Pearl at the University of Tennessee. If anybody deserves to have... Thompson Bowling named after them. It's probably Dane Bradshaw or Wayne Chisholm. Also, somebody I knew in high school. Okay, there we go. I sound like Josh Giddy. I should shut up. Okay. Illinois at Tennessee. It's the first time these teams are meeting since 1988. Illinois, I just saw them in person coming off a season best 98 points when they shot 63% from the field and made 40% of their three-point shots. Also 90% from the line. Don't have the answer to this, but I'm curious the last time a team played a ranked opponent and hit those thresholds. Score 98 points at 63% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the line. That feels like a, I don't know, once every five years kind of thing at minimum. Um, very, very, very uh, good performance by Illinois in the Garden over FAU, uh, particularly because Illinois has been just okay from three-point range. So we will see if the Illini kind of go back to their ways. Considering it's going against Tennessee, I would expect that. Uh, in fact, if you're watching, you know, I would think this is going to be a defensive battle. Tennessee's defense is known. Illinois is one of the best rebounding teams in the country. And Tennessee's not a three-point shooting specialist team. And teams are only making like five per game against Illinois in general. I'm setting the over-under on, hell, I'll just say 8.5, three-point. Why not, GP? 8.5 made threes in this game. Over or under? What are you taking? For both teams? Combined. You're correct. Oh, my. Oh, for Jesus Christ. I'm going under. No. I'm going under. Going under 8.5 made threes. Teams are only making 5.6 per game against Illinois, and Tennessee's one of the best defensive teams in the country. Um, I know, but God, I mean. Tennessee shoots 33% from three. What do you want from me? Uh, my pick is Illinois plus five. Chris Lofton could make eight by himself. He could, but he's not playing in the game. Damn it. Chris Lofton never plays in the games anymore. What do wasn't it more fun at Tennessee when Chris Lofton was playing in the games? It was a lot of fun. Remember yeah. what he did to Kentucky He's that one night? in the arena after him, but so it goes. I've, just, I've known Dave Bradshaw longer than I've known Chris Lofton. Okay. So I was just being loyal. Sue me for being loyal. I mean, what do you want me to say? I want you to pick the game. I've got I'm the conductor of the Illinois train. What do you want me to do? Choo-choo. We're all doomed. Choo-choo! Let's go, Fornelli. Illinois, big road win this weekend. Probably win it by 40. Give me the give me the Illini. Give me the Illini. Straight up! First one of the season, folks. Straight up! They just shot 63% from the field. What are you talking about? Game two. Game two, Saturday, 1.30 Eastern. It's number four, Purdue. Versus Alabama inside the Joe Carter Coliseum. You can oh, watch um, it on Fox. Kim Pom has it Purdue minus five. This is part of, if you're wondering why these teams are playing in Toronto, um, it's part of the Hall of Fame Toronto series. Oh, by the way, Zach Eady going back to his, uh, going back to his roots. He is from. The six. What? Going back to the six. Okay. Um, Purdue and Alabama. Oh, you're not OVO, I see. This this is a battle of one season. Sounds like you're not OVO. And uh, both these teams were in the polls at number one last season for a combined nine weeks. Bama has not been what Purdue has been so far this season. Um, but yeah, Purdue continues to play these high-level teams, GP. Um, I'd stop that. It's working out. I tell you what, it's working out so far. Uh, only one loss, and the one loss they have is to a, <laughs> to an unranked team on the road. This one's not on the road. It's a neutral court. Uh, they have wins over neutral on neutral courts over the likes of Gonzaga, Marquette already. So um, Bama to this point, 
actually because of preseason projections from Ken Palm, 13th might be a little surprising for a six and two team. Uh, it's win of note. If you want to say it is, is against Oregon. Uh, I mean, okay. Uh, that happened down in Florida, uh, but here's a big, big opportunity for Nate Oates' team. Points will be coming fast and furious. I like the chances of this game getting into the 80s here. That said, I'm taking... They might be a little bit dinged up here. GP, I think Purdue minus five is, is the way to go. Okay, buddy. I wasted a good hour of my life last night. I mean, you say this every day. I've been wasting so many hours. Yeah. Oh, man. So, Purdue, Alabama in Toronto. So then I got a name and arena in Toronto. And when I think of Toronto, I yeah. know most people probably think of Drake. I don't. I do not. Who do you think of? Okay, when I say Toronto, what do you think of? Honestly? Nico Midman? No, I would say uh, Vince Carter. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Vince Carter. Former member. Or, or one of the many bands that have come out of Toronto. Name one. Uh, Bare Naked Ladies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think of Joe Carter. Walk off Homer in the World Series to win a World Series. So this is this is what happens to me. I uh I I've got a name in arena. I think of Joe Carter. Now I'm just YouTube and Joe Carter. I want to see the home run. I watch the home run. Mm-hmm. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Yep. Which is true. I, I watched that. I remember watching that as a as a 12-year-old. I watched that so live. Big okay. moment. Yeah, for sure. So then I get caught up on this. Because if you go watch Joe Carter's home run, it looks it's not a great it's an it's a massive home run. But it doesn't look great. He's got a weird little right-handed swing. Like it doesn't look like if that same home run were hit by King Griffey Jr., it would look beautiful coming from the left side. But against but but the, the home run coming from Joe Carter, it's like he's got this weird little right-handed swing, which then my mind goes to why are why are because people say this, because it's true. You see a beautiful left-handed swing, and it just looks prettier than your best right-handed swings. So then I start, and I play baseball my whole life, and I've never gone down this path. Why do you think left-handed swings, generally speaking, look better than right-handed swings? I, I, I have no idea. Okay, I didn't need I agree with you. I agree with the premise. Right. That, that a lefty swing in the bat, there's something about that motion that your average major leaguer that's a lefty that's that's sending one over the fence is going to look cosmetically better than than a righty on okay on right everybody agrees with that but i've never but no but you ask okay everybody agrees with that and yet i guarantee you if i were just walking around asking people what's a why okay we agree left-handed swing looks prettier than a right-handed swing but why very few people would have an actual answer so i just keep i just keep typing last night buddy it's getting late but i'm typing okay how about this for the explanation do you accept this as an explanation 90% of people in this world are right-handed, okay? Mm-hmm. And when you are a left-handed hitter, you can get more comfortable in the box your entire life because everything is coming from over here. I like it. I like it. So you can get comfortable because everything's coming from over here. Yep. And yet, if you're a right-handed hitter and you're facing a right-handed pitcher, everything is coming right at your ear. You can never get comfortable because everything's coming here. But if you're left-handed, everything's coming from the other side. You can see it better. You're not you're you're not worried about it coming into your ear, so you can get more comfortable and by and because of all those things, develop the prettier swing. Yeah, you accept that's it. it? I, I absolutely accept it. This is what you did instead of studying up for. Final yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know anything about the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I just wanted to be. I mean, I know Zach Eady's good and Alabama. Um, you know, they lost Brandon Miller. Mark Sears is pretty good. Yeah, I don't know anything about the game, but I know everything about Joe Carter and left-handed and right-handed. I thought that was interesting. Do you find that interesting? I think you've got a viable hypothesis on your hands right now. I'm going to start using it on people. I'm gonna, That's all I want to talk about today with people. Four best bands from Toronto. I'd say at least my four favorites. I'll say Bare Naked Ladies, The Band, Rush, 
maybe broken social scene. The I'm band? Like, we don't get to claim the band in America? Absolutely not. The band Damn is it. Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, although I don't know if all the members are from Toronto. Might be like a Jimi Hendrix experience. Uh, What's the greatest know. American rock band? Um, I've gone back and forth with Bomani Jones on this before. I, I, you think Bomani Jones is? No. Um. So you got to eliminate. We got to get moving here, GP. Uh, you have to. Uh, the the groups that don't count are the ones that have a front man that you know that uh, that kind of overshadow. So Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band, doesn't qualify. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers doesn't qualify. Um, some will say because of the legacy that is the Grateful Dead. I think Talking Heads has a viable case personally because of its influence there. Um, there's another group. Who was I talking about this recently with? The Beach Boys. Beach Boys. They're not a rock band, though. Yeah, that's fair. It's not a rock band. Um, I, you. I hear you. Uh, I think Funkadelic's got a decent case um, with how expansive its sound was and really ventured into, not Parliament Funkadelic. Uh, there's another one out there. Who am I blanking on? Um, like, I, I, Nirvana wasn't around quite long enough, and then, frankly, I don't think Nirvana's the greatest rock band, uh, American rock band ever. Francis Bean Cobain just got married. Okay. I knew you'd be up on that. To Tony Hawk's son. How about that? Well, there you go. That's uh, all true. Everything I'm telling is true. Both of them, and I hope they live together happily ever. Francis Bean Cobain, not a fan of Nirvana. Okay. Well, th- she said she doesn't like her dad's band. Okay. That's well, sad. In- well, entitled to it, I guess. Um, who else is on this? I actually just Googled it here. You've got... Uh, Meta- what does it take for Metallica to get in there? Uh, you know, back end of Metallica's career, I don't know. Are we, are we taking you know, are we taking into account the entire discography here? Um, you know it's sad but true. They do sad but true. All right, what's... Are we, are we two games in here right now? Yeah, I pay, I'm taking... Uh, game three. I don't know, I gotta pick, you need I to guess. pick, don't you? Pick yeah, the yeah, game and let's go. Oh, yeah, I'll take Purdue, I guess. Minus five. It's fine. Whatever. Who cares? It's game three, Saturday, 315 Eastern. It's number 23, Wisconsin. At number one, Arizona, inside the Larnell Center. You can watch it on ESPN. Kim Pom has it, Arizona minus six. Got someone in the chat saying the Doors. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The doors, the doors are a band. If you, you absolutely should like them when you're 16. If you still like them when you're 36, you, you still have the mindset of a 16 year old. Well, do you accept that? People can like what they like. I just, yeah. I don't think people should be allowed to like what they like. All right. That's um, not the America. The Isley right Brothers now. say hello, by the way. Isley Brothers? Grooving. Uh, they, they, they wouldn't put them at the top, though. Isley Brothers. I, I, I F with the Isley Brothers for sure. What's this line on this game? Wisconsin at Zona? Arizona minus six inside the Larnell Center. Arizona. 14-4 versus ranked teams. This is a ranked game. 14-4 under Tommy Lloyd. Um, credit to Caleb Love. Leads the team right now in points, assists, and steals. How about yeah. Caleb Love being the star of the number one team in the country? I know. <laughs> Hilarious? Something. And he, he's got a good assist to turnover. He's doing well for himself, playing alongside Kylan Boswell, who I'm going to give credit for this as well, because Boswell's... Um, he's shooting well, and, he, you know, right now... Love has more assists than anyone on the team, but Boswell is obviously he's the guy that uh, that orchestrates the offense there. Arizona's a machine. I'm taking Arizona minus six in this game. Wisconsin fans uh, have very warm and fuzzy feelings when they see Arizona on the schedule uh, and however way that crops up because uh, Wisconsin has made two Final Four trips uh, at the expense of Arizona. The most recent time these teams met was the 2015 tournament in the Elite Eight. Wisconsin leads the all-time series 5-2, to two. That being said, this is in Arizona's house this year. It will be in the Cole Center next year. I will take the Wildcats minus six. In the chat, somebody says Foo Fighters. Eh, no, but one of the best, uh, greatest hits rock bands in American history. I, I can't put them at the top. I mean, the, the Foo Fighters aren't even in the best band that Dave Grohl has been in. So that is that is no. In fact, okay, so Nirvana aren't even Foo in Fighters. the top two favorite bands that Dave Grohl has, has played. In. Not even the top three. I would take Dave Grohl in uh, Queens of the Stone Age. One and he, it was kind of like a guest appearance, but still, Queens of Stone is one, uh, Nirvana two, them Crooked Vultures three, and then Foo Fighters four. For Dave, Co- Co- what are you doing? You 
can't do that to Foo Fighters. That's disrespectful. To Foo good, Fighters. but I'm just telling you, when it comes to Dave Grohl playing with the musical act, Foo Fighters will be fourth on the list for me. That's disrespectful. I'm Check it out. Super group. If you have That's disrespectful. I mean, uh, what do you want from me? I think, who'd you take? Did you- <laughs> I took Arizona. You okay, have I'll to. take Wisconsin then. Yeah. I'll take Wisconsin then. Coming off a massive, you know, they had that massive win in Eggbo Bedlam last weekend. Yeah. Beat the Marquette team that smashed Texas. You're going to give that team six points? Ooh. I am. And, they, and Wisconsin has done tremendous for itself. A uh, few teams have started off, you know, kind of like, eh, and been more, ooh, in the past three weeks in Wisconsin, if you follow what I'm saying. I, I do follow what you're saying. I'm taking the Badgers. Okay. How could I not take a team that was, ooh, how could I not take that? Ooh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Wisconsin plus six. Game four, Saturday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. St. Mary's at number 13, Colorado State, inside David Roddy Arena. You can watch it on CBS Sports Network. Kim Pom has a Colorado State minus eight, big number. Boy, if I would have told you two months ago, Colorado State would be favored by eight over St. Mary's, you would have probably tried to smack me in my head. You can watch this game on CBS Sports Network. You can watch... Me on CBS Sports Network. I will be in studio all afternoon and evening. We've got Dead a leg. on CBS Sports Network. This game is the first of three on CBS Sports Network. And we've got, as, as Parrish well knows, we've got inside college basketball at six o'clock. So, in all seriousness, if you're watching the games, get a second screen going. Who's your host? Uh, Kiana Martin, I believe, is hosting. She's uh, great. Yes. You'll love her. Yes. Uh, it's Kiana, Wally Zerbiak, and I think Chris Walker and myself that are going to be in studio all day on Saturday. Big, big, big time day there. So my game, my pick for this one, this is as urgent of a game for any team on the schedule this weekend. St. Mary's has to win this game to have any chance at any at-large resume. A loss here, it will need to win the auto bid in the WCC to have a chance. And that, and I'm including even if it runs the table and loses in the W. It just it's taking on too many losses. Got to win this game. I don't think it's going to happen. I do like the Gales to get right and get inside the number here. I will take St. Mary's plus eight. This is uh, that's that's just enough. If it was like plus six. I would have hesitated, but plus eight. I'll go with Randy Bennett's team to figure it out. The way they like to play, that is a large number. And Colorado State's defense has you know has some ways to go. So I like their I like St. Mary's chances to uh, to keep this one close. Yeah, that just seems like a big number. I think Colorado State, Colorado State wins, remains undefeated, but I'll take St. Mary's plus the points. What's game five? All right, before game five, and I'm just tossing out the news and notes at the end. We're just we're bailing on that. Dylan Harper, he's going to Rutgers. Naquan Tomlin's no longer on the roster at K State. Charlie Baker wants to redefine what the NCAA means in terms of players getting paid, but nobody believes <laughs> believes in it. And a bunch of states are trying to make sure that the NCAA's transfer rules go away entirely. You can read up all that. Mike Oresco is also retiring from the AAC, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Before I get to the end one, the other games to know about. And by the way, happy Hanukkah to all our listeners out there who celebrate and observe. Hanukkah has begun here um, for your Hanukkah weekend in hoops. Syracuse at Georgetown, 1130 Eastern on Fox. Both teams are outside the top 100. It is a big rivalry game. They don't play in the same conference. I appreciate that they still schedule each other. I hope that continues to be the case moving forward. Let this be the last time for a very, very, very long time that these two teams meet and both are outside the Ken Palm top 100. Huge mid-major tilt on Saturday. 7-1 Grand Canyon at 7-2 and two Liberty 2 Eastern ESPNU. That's a biggie. Grand Canyon just beat San Diego State earlier this week on its home floor. Um, the best matchup record-wise that's not in our final 4-1 is also happening in Toronto at Joe Carter Arena. 7-0 TCU, 8-0 Clemson, 4 Eastern FS1. That game will happen after Purdue at Alabama. Uh, TCU probably needs to win more than Clemson from a resume standpoint at this point, but that's uh, that's definitely worth watching. Arkansas is going to play undefeated Oklahoma in Tulsa for Eastern ESPN2 on Saturday. Oklahoma, as we mentioned at the top of the show, one of the most surprising teams in the country. We'll see if it can keep going. Uh, Arkansas could certainly use that win to reestablish itself. It's got the win over Duke, but it's also got you know the home loss to UNCG as well. Cincy at Xavier, 630 Eastern, FS1. Big rivalry game. we got a number of rivalry games on the slate this weekend here as we head toward finals time. The big blue blood gotta have it game is 7 Eastern on Fox on Saturday. 5-2 and two UCLA at 6-4 and four Villanova. UCLA does not have a high major win yet. So this is an extremely urgent game, probably the most urgent outside of the St. Mary situation at Colorado State. Um, another mid-major special I want to highlight. Drake is 8-1 and one versus 7-0 and oh Nevada. 
in Henderson, 7.30 Eastern on Saturday, and then Gonzaga plays at Washington. Late night tip, 11 Eastern, ESPN2. Um, on Sunday, 9-0 Princeton at 7-2 St. Joe's. Again, a lot of... If, they, if Princeton gets another road win, will you rank them on Monday, GP? Another road win. They'll have six. No one in the country has four. I'm not prepared to answer that question at right now. At 7-2 St. Joe's. Just consider it if you could. I'm two not Eastern, prepared to answer that question right now. Two Eastern ESPN2, Colorado-Miami from the Barclays Center. Memphis at Texas A&M is a four Eastern game on ESPN2 on Sunday. Then two more, and then we'll get to the end one. Bronny James, almost certainly going to make his debut at USC. Four Eastern. USC plays Long Beach State. The bad news is it's on the Pac-12 network. <laughs> so the long-awaited Bronny James that's what, debut. <clears throat> that's why LeBron said he was going to skip a Lakers game if he had to to be watch it. at Bronny's first game in person because he is not capable of watching it on TV. Nobody is, that's unless cool. you have a very specific refrigerator. That is So uh, in the midst of a big NFL Sunday, Bronny James will make his debut in the in the thick of that at four Eastern against Long Beach State on Pac-12 Network. It's not guaranteed, but it is absolutely trending. Right. So if you get hungry, go to your refrigerator, get something, and maybe tune in for a second. Right? The 10 listeners that applies to, for sure. And then the last one on Sunday, I'm thinking we might need to wait for this one. It's Michigan State. It's going to try and walk into Pinnacle Bank. That's a 630 Eastern tip on Big Ten Network. In all seriousness, if Michigan State does lose that game, we did just lead with them or talk about them on, a, on the last show, but um, yeah, it's it's a major problem if they don't win that game. So that's a Sunday tip. It's the last relevant tip on Sunday, 630 Eastern on Big Ten. With that, be- <laughs> with that being said, I told you a few shows ago this game was going to be in the Final Four and one. And I wondered if Parrish would take the initiative to include it. But your boys got your back here because there was no way I was letting this game slip through the cracks. Saturday, build your entire weekend around it, okay? Two Eastern, Fox Sports 1, right there on Terry Cummings Court. Four and four Louisville is going to play at one and seven DePaul. Ken Palm, as a DePaul minus one, who you got? I don't even think these two schools are in Ken Palm. They're there. I don't. I'm not sure of that. See the rankings right now. What do we got here? I got it. Louisville sitting at 162. DePaul down at 212. <laughs> this is the game of the week. DePaul minus one. What's the pick? I'm taking DePaul. Give me the blue demons. (laughs) I'm taking the blue demons. Oh, my God, man. Did we ever think we'd get to a point where we're picking DePaul? It's got that home court advantage. They do have the home court advantage. And buddy, if you follow college basketball, even a little bit, you you're well aware of what that home court advantage at DePaul means. People's my whole life been talking about that home court advantage at DePaul. It's like going into Allen Fieldhouse, going into Cameron Indoor, going into that place to Paul place. <laughs> if oh. I if I gave you thirty minutes to sit here and try and remember the name of DePaul's building, could you remember it? Yeah, but probably like from WWE okay. Friday Night SmackDown or something. Is it Allstate? It may have previously been. It's a very uh, Chicago-oriented name in terms of the the building that uh, the company that sponsors it. Wintrust Arena. It's also where the yeah. combine takes place. Wintrust. There's a there's a hotel that's attached to it, but Wintrust Arena, which is only like what six years old at this point, or something like that. Um, now you both, sound like Josh Giddy. We both have DePaul minus one. These schools have met sixty times, and Louisville has won ten of the past eleven, but it did not win when they played a season ago. So. Uh, we are taking the one and seven team to cover in this game, and the one and seven team is favored. Genuinely fascinating. Sickos unite Louisville at DePaul two Eastern Saturday. Myron in the chat says it's the Rosemont Horizon. You ain't lived if you don't remember the Rosemont Horizon. Uh, then I haven't lived. You don't know nothing about the Rosemont Horizon. <laughs> I don't know a thing about it. That's right. I think I've been to the Rosemont Horizon. I think that's where you saw Dwayne Wade. Oh, man, that was at the Memphis Marriott, I believe. Just me and D. Wade. He had just had a little baby. 
and and that and that uh is is that his, this doesn't he have a son who's a prospect right i'm not sure I'm not, okay. sure. I'm not sure i thought so maybe not. a lot of a lot of these nba players have have offspring that are either in college or about to enter college so yeah i can't speak to that that's none of my business <laughs> that's none of my business all right all right i feel like that's a podcast uh i know it is it's time to go shouts to devin downey hold shouts on. to chester hold on oh no dave in the chat says should depaul storm the court if they win the yes. answer is unequivocally yes yes give us the the scene of the season depaul hey get the word around chicago if you beat louisville storm the damn floor i'm not kidding get on that hardwood even Go. if there's only like 30 people there we want all 30 yes. on the court yes it's not even a storm. It's it's a, it's a light shower. It's a sprinkle. I don't care. Sprinkle that court. Sprinkle it. Let's go. And then we need Kenny Payne to like say something hilarious in the press conference, which he always does. Oh boy, I should I shouldn't tell you this, but yes, who knows? I can't even try and pretend and project and role play as to what that might be. He's hilarious. Hashtag sprinkle the court. Sprinkle the court. Shouts to Devin Downey. There we go. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry Mepentigo, legend. Huck, Larnell, Wintrust. Joe Carter. It was yeah. a good home run, just not pretty. I just wish Barry Bonds would have hit that home run instead of Joe Carter. I wish Barry Bonds was a Blue Jay. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. More of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments, so make sure to do that. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.